This episode of Real Life Rockstars podcast is sponsored by Fireball Cinnamon Whiskey UK and Vocal Zone Throat Pastels UK. Both in the UK. Both in the UK. We have UK but I'm sure sponsorship. You can get them elsewhere. Well, I do believe Fireball is an American brand, but we are sponsored um, by the UK arm of them. Yes, so. and Vocal Zone are also out there in amongst the whole globe. Well, they are the. You know, not just saying this because they sponsor us, they are the best throat recovery pastels out there. Yeah. And um, the most well-known as well, which is, you know, how long have they been going now? Like a... Oh, don't ask me on the spot questions like that. Um, I, I think about five-ish years that we said, like since they've been... I think a lot longer than that. But since they've been trying to um, get the name out there like everywhere. Yeah. And it's really worked. So a lot of love to those guys because they're um, another pe- a bunch of people that approached us to sponsor us. Anyway, um, we are the Real Life Rockstars podcast. But we're not rock stars. Uh, we are not. No, <laughs> we, we document other people being uh, rock stars instead. Um, I'm Dan. Or people that make rock stars look good. And I'm Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, we try to. Uh, we're, we're, we're part of the team that does, and we speak to the other parts that yeah. make them look good, or the Real Life Rockstars themselves. Um, we kind of got a combo uh, this week of uh, you know uh, somebody that makes things happen as well as being a bit of a, a rock star himself. But that's a bit further in the future of the um, the recording, or at least in my running order. I've put that down. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, because you you write a running order, don't you? I do. It's a bit like your track listing for the show, <laughs> <laughs> um, just so that we actually know what we're doing. And so um, well, apparently we're going to catch up. Like we haven't just spent you know the a good few hours together, <laughs> or the good uh, you know two or three times in a week that we generally spend with each other anyway. But hey, hi, how are you? <laughs> I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a windy week. Um, well, for um, the podcast, it's normally about um, two weeks in between every recording, isn't it? So uh, I, can relate, I can literally relate that back to last week as well. So it's been a windy fortnight. <laughs> it has been a windy fortnight. Um, and we've both been out in vans mm-hmm. having fun. Um, I decided to drive in the in the weather up to um, Bristol um, to go and see Fire from the Gods and The Who. The Who? Uh, we've done this on the show. Yeah, uh, but it, it works everywhere. <laughs> As long as I don't make the same Roger, Roger Daltrey joke, yeah, we're, we're fine. Absolutely fine. Um, and uh, well, if you want to find out what that's about, mixcloud.com might change rockshow. <laughs> Smooth. Yeah. Like it. <laughs> um, so that's the, the gig I've done recently. Um, with the who? <laughs> with the who. Um, what have you been listening to recently? Whilst we're doing catch-ups with each other that uh, strictly we don't need to do, as we said earlier. Uh, okay. Uh, as as usual, I don't listen to rock and metal. <laughs> <laughs> so I've uh, I've been listening to some trap music in the last week or so. Amazing. The, the like the sort of the, the poster boys and girls of the sort of movement, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like Ti and people like that. Fair. Which is yeah, understanding that it's actually like like some of the artists they've got like use a lot a lot of like gospel singers and things like that, getting their message across. Sounds uh, a lot of people have have negative output towards uh, trap music. Yeah, this modern rise of like internet-based promotions and stuff to get your music out there and things. But from what I can tell, like lyrically, there there's a lot of good there's, stuff there's out there. There's a lot of love out there. It's just like, yeah, I'm guessing if you're in that community and, and it helps shift you up. Like I said, a lot from what I've seen so far is a lot of gospel and sort of that kind of way of going down the, that kind of route. In, the artists that I've checked out so far, but 
I'd like to open my mind to new things. Well, um, a little bit more uh, open, um, I think. That, well, actually... Um, th- it means I'm, I'm in a good position to comment on the Reading Festival line this <laughs> year compared 100%. to some grumpy old men. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of grumpy old men. Um, that that has been a funny thing, actually. Um, and yeah, just right. <laughs> Whilst we have the time to explain um, our standpoint on this, is Reading and other festivals of a similar booking nature are trying to book for a market that's 16 to 25. Yeah, you that, know that's basically it. Your college, university years exactly. To go to Reading Festival, um, and it's meant to be the most exciting thing that you can do lineup wise as a music fan for like people that are into everything. Like, yeah, it's uh, all yeah, it's always been the most popular tr- artists in various fields. In, but in the okay, in the last sort of ten years or so, it has expanded to include things like Radio One Extra and. But that's not a bad All thing. That, no, it's, it just it diversifies it because music has become so much more diversified and everything's pigeonholed, so you're not going to get a whole day just rock and metal. Amen. Um, so, yeah. Um, under uh, Rage under Against the Goths. <laughs> <laughs> it has been really funny because um, so many people are like, Reading used to be uh, good like 15 years ago and now it's not and I'm angry about it. It's like, but that that's because you're 15 years older, buddy. I mean, we go there and we mostly spend uh, time camped out either in the press area to the side of the stage that's by the press area, um, the metal stage, or basically back at our tents because... We're there um, because it's a fantastic press opportunity. Yeah, um, yeah. We like the diversity of music, but we're also too old for the festival in many ways. It's not one that I'd say, you know, actively to somebody in their 30s upwards, oh, you really want to check out Reading because... You're not looking forward to seeing Stormzy then? Um, no, I I am for the acts. It's just, yeah. it's a it's very much a young person's festival. So I feel old as fuck when I'm there. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I'm older than you, by exactly. the way. <laughs> um, so that's why I say like, but that's because um, I had this conversation with somebody online. It's like, that's why you progress to something that suits your uh, like sort of specific tastes a bit more so well, people it 10 15 years ago pearl jam were headlining exactly they're still coming to the uk this summer and playing the same size kind of crowd as they were at reading like 10 15 years ago that's the thing and uh probably cost you the same amount as if you went to reading as well <laughs> <laughs> but you can't go to um, places where you can see um you know so for other people diversifying means you're going to bloodstock yeah. Or you're going to uh, 2000 Trees or Art Tangent um, or whatever the case may be. Um, Reading is almost like your gateway festival, you know? It's always, and it's the Thursday of Reading is the day that GCSE results come out. So, so that's a rites of passage. You I've, and I've done it around that era, maybe a year after my GCSEs. And, like two, yeah, and then two years later, you're just about to go to university. So you're either going for a gap year away or you're going. Uh, to Ibiza for the for a week. Exactly. So it is the start of your, your youth years, isn't it? And, and so you want, you don't, yeah, you want to see the most relevant bands. And you don't want to like. Uh, and the, the funny thing is, is when people like rediscover how um, you know sort of crazy uh, Reading's uh, camping area is. But I went to Reading when I was eighteen, and Reading's camping, even like that um, era was as crazy as it is uh, when we go back there. I yeah. mean, uh, there was a fight outside our tent um, this year that uh, just gone by, 2019, in the guest-like sort of camping um, <laughs> between um, a, like a group of uh, people that came back at about, uh, like I say, four o'clock in the morning, maybe a little bit earlier, but 
Uh, didn't didn't read the situation uh, um, that well of uh, an, an entirely quiet campsite <laughs> um, and then carried on the party as if um, it was the main campsite. And so uh, some people got angry. There was a fight. And uh, yeah, in the end, uh, I <laughs> ended up getting up because I was like, well, now I have to pee. <laughs> uh, so um, and I just kind of stood there and th- until things dissipated and then got back into my tent. And it wasn't like I was, uh, oh, no, Reading's so bad these days. Oh, woe is uh, um, the festival life. That's always been Reading. I mean, I remember there was uh, some dude throwing up outside my tent the year, like first year I was there. Nice. You know, these things just happen. It was carnage. Yeah. Um, and it still is carnage. But that's what you want when you're um, that young is you go to a carnage festival. That. That's what those years are for. And I think a lot of people maybe just need to remember that, you know, festivals cater for the target audience that they target for, not necessarily what you're looking for. Yeah. Your your festival can change. Don't get me wrong. You get something really strong like Download that does count, uh, like cater for a lot more ages. Like you can you can be 18 at Download, but you can be 50 at Download as well. And like it, that's Download's family. That's a different festival. Yeah. But don't expect it from Reading. Reading is there to um, be the, I don't know, the English Coachella or something like that. Yeah, I see what you mean there. Yeah, yeah. And sorry, it's not a rant. Like I, I, like I say, I just think people should realise what festivals are aiming for. Um, because then you're not going to be disappointed when lineups come out. Like Download, for example. I would love for this podcast to be able to speak to Andy Coppin because... Um, you know, we've heard him on uh, Jamie Jaster's podcast say, do you know how difficult it is to book a family lineup where you cover ages, you know, sort of yeah. 18 to um, 50? Like, he's like, it's crazy. Like, do I book legendary headliners? Do I push somebody through? He's like, and, you know, plans change and I have to roll with those changes. A big yeah. band that I have booked before lineup could have, um, like, sort of had to uh, dissipate. And there's well, a we whole. Know, like, from, from Download Specific, that they sometimes book their headliners two years in advance and get them locked in. Exactly. Which is probably your, your Maidens and your Metallica type Well, the ones that, that know their schedule, the yeah, yeah, exactly. they have to book that far in advance. But. And that's why we want to, and that's actually a little bit what this podcast um, is about, is that this is our start when it comes to that sort of thing, because we're, we're really interested in tour logistics, festival lineups, booking and everything like that, as we said before. But yes. yeah, that was my Reading rant, is uh, just <laughs> have like have an idea what uh, festival you're actually looking for. But I it mean, wasn't actually a rant, it was... An explanation, it, it, I it hope? Was an, it was a big up, because we were talking about how relevant it is to those people that they're geared towards. Like, I, I love it for that reason. Like I, I remember um, it was, what, like three or four years ago, we were walking through to um, go to the medal stage, I think for something like Sleeps, um, and we happened to walk through um, oh, uh, Bastille. Yeah. And Pompeii came on, like the most uh, recognizable track. And so and we, even us grumpy old metalheads were like, oh, oh, oh. And we stopped in the crowd. And that was the thing is yeah. we and were just part of this moment that like it was just beautiful. I like doing that sort of stuff. And Reading's always had that weird sort of ability for me is just like. Yeah, there's some, uh, you know, you sometimes just walk past the dance tent and they're like, all you hear um, for all festivals, there it is. <laughs> um, and I, but I love dance music, so I, I know that's just the like, link in between. It's probably a thing that I don't know about because of uh, what we do. But It's like the tech fest, woo! Exactly. <laughs> um, but no, I, I was having this uh, conversation with somebody, as I say, online, and I was like, but Reading also shouts out what is most popular when it comes to heavy genres or anybody that doesn't think it, because we've had architects and Parkway Drive on the main stage of Reading, yeah, they've uh, got recently. all time low this year. On the exactly, like the, the the people are there. Just don't expect a full led um, lineup takeover because you know we've had those beautiful years where it was what like Slipknot and um, 
Slipknot Metallica. Early, they? Yeah, Slipknot and Metallica on the same night or something like Can't that. Remember. But I think if you look at the full lineup of that, what supported them earlier that day was nowhere near as heavy. Yeah. So it's never been like the um, Reading's had a main stage takeover of heavy music. It just it is whatever is most popular at the time uh, for the people that they want to come to the festival. Done. Mic drop. <laughs> but I don't want to drop my <laughs> but mic. But also, on the Sunday at Reading, you've got Rage Against the Machine, the, one of the ultimate uh, protest bands. That Huge band. Got back together to protest for against Trump. And, and Boris. Don't forget oh, Boris. Yeah, yeah. But also, at the time, uh, on the other stage, you've got one of the most modern protest bands in FIFA 333. And so you do get to do like the entire night of it. And the funny thing it's is... It's going to be Sunday night middle fingers up for about four hours. <laughs> I just... The thing I, I never forget is that this has always been a thing. It just... Social media heightens it. Is Like, I, I remember um, sort of people um, saying to me, it's like, I didn't realise that, um, you know, back in the day when I was at um, uh, going to download and stuff like that, that... You know, um, these bands were still going. I was like, they're not just still going; they're headlining one of the biggest festivals in the UK. Yeah, is out of sight, out of mind. People, it, like, it's why the cast of Friends always looks super old in pictures that you uh, look at now, because you never see them outside of that bubble of time that you remember it to be. So a lot of people don't realize that Limp Biscuit did actually last past two thousand and two. <laughs> you know, it's things like that. Yeah. And so when the and um, you have people that don't know about Rage, it's like, you know what? That's understandable. I don't know who some, um, sometimes the Reading head, uh, headliners actually are because I don't like, um, and we were having this conversation a couple of days back when we uh, recorded the show, but Mike was laughing at me because I, I don't know any Stormzy songs. I know the name. And, I, and he's like, but you, if we were to do the set, which we likely will because it's a headliner, I'll stand there and be like, oh, I do know a track. Woo, I know this one me. from that TV advert or exactly. advertising this thing because a lot of his music has been used like that. And then we'll <laughs> go uh, like sneaking back to our tents um, uh, very early um, after the headliner finishes and uh, get some sleep because we've got interviews to do the next day. Professional, man. Real um, life rock stars. <laughs> and tired as well. By the time we get to Reading, like me and my... Um, save August, up all August of, is long. Yeah, we save up all of our energy, like just squint at each other, barely talk uh, in between <laughs> interviews. It's like, And then suddenly the camera gets clicked on. It's like, and I welcome to the My Chance Rock Show. Yeah. <laughs> so shall we uh, tell people what today you hinted at it earlier today's... Topic um, of conversation and who we're going to speak with. And um, that's also like, um, I will do it as part of my shout outs because they are actually one of my shout outs. Uh, firstly, just want to um, repeatedly shout out Extra Uncovered, Hannah O'Brien Photography, and Chilled Social, uh, which are the three things that a friend of ours uh, runs. Uh, check out all she does. She is awesome and um, always gives us feedback on every single podcast, which, you know, is quite life affirming, really. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for that. Um, I do want to do a bit of a shout out for uh, Claudia. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, for sure. Because um, she's been an absolute diamond to us recently. Um, and I got to go see one of my favorite bands from uh, the Americas um, on their first UK tour. So I was quite happy with that. That's cool. Um, and the Who? <laughs> no, not The Who. Uh, Fire from the Gods. So. Who? But never mind. <laughs> um, so that was uh, super cool. Um, and then the last shout out is actually who's on the podcast this uh, week is Mr. Tyler Campbell. Mm. So because uh, I've just done a lot of talking and I want to drink something real quick. Do you want to tell everybody who Tyler Campbell is? No, I'm going to uh, let you get cotton mouth and you can carry on talking. <laughs> um, Tyler Campbell is um, he's in two bands. He is indeed. 
the people, the poets, who uh, we have played on our radio show, uh, awesome little band. They're starting to get some uh, attention on them at the moment. Yes, we've had some column inches. They have had they've some column inches. We've had some airplays on various shows, including our own mm. across the globe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he is also in uh, another band called Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons because he is one of the Bastard Sons. Legit. <laughs> Phil Campbell's actual son. Yes. Um, <laughs> and uh, so. So yeah, you can carry on if you want. I was just going to say that when Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons played our hometown of Exeter, they were playing on the stage right above where we record our radio station. So we went and just grabbed him and said, "Come on, our radio sh- st- show now!" And he's like, "Okay." And we just got on like a house on fire. So well, he's so, uh, yeah. first off is a lovely human being. He's um, lovely, isn't he? And uh, his idea was perfect because he um, waited until we were coming up for a gig. He's like, "Just let me know, and if I'm in a." In the Wales, um, then I'll uh, meet you. So we ended up in this lovely, quiet pub in the middle of Cardiff, uh, drinking some, uh, well, he was drinking some really um, lovely uh, uh, beers. Uh, me and you were on the soft drinks, as we always are. He uh, was trying to get us to drink the, the Motorhead beers, because they had like two on tap there. Was which like, was oh, amazing. On, on. <laughs> I don't drink, dude. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> but the food oh, oh. was incredible. So uh, anyway, we I think we even talk about that possibly in the... Uh, podcast yeah i think we do a bit because we've been literally like just like can we just have a nap instead <laughs> um but the, the reason uh, that this one's come about was um wasn't just the fact that we got on uh that was awesome but um when he did come down to show in between songs we found out that he does um the tour management for both the people the poet and uh phil campbell and the bastard sons not necessarily 100 percent of the time which again i think he explains yeah um, but he does do a lot of it. And we're like, the planning and the logistics. And, and so we sort of said to him, like, um, you know, does there, is there a difference? Uh, this was off, uh, um, off air. Was there a difference um, between doing The People, The Poet and Phil Campbell and The Bastard Sons? He's like, 100%. <laughs> uh, so we're like, okay. Spoke to him a little bit later over a messenger. Said, we'd actually like to get you as a, a tour person. His schedule's a little bit shall we say, calmer than a lot of the tour managers that we actually know? Well, because normally the tour managers we see are right in the middle of their busy time at work, sort of. We do interviews with bands. Whilst they're being managed by the person that's managing the, yeah. Um, So Normally the time we're interviewing, so are three or four other outfits interviewing the same artist. So that tour manager is juggling all that, getting everything ready for sound check, making sure they've eaten and showered because showtime is in about an hour and a half. So it's the wrong time for us to try and... Can we have a half hour, 40 hey, minutes hey, with you? Just give up 40 <laughs> of your precious minutes at the most important time of the day. So it was, um, it was good that we could get Tyler like alone in a bar. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so creepy. <laughs> uh, we got Tyler alone in a bar. <laughs> Drinking motorhead beer. <laughs> but now the um, awesome thing was is um, it, um, it gave us, um, and we've said this before with like other podcasts, is... Often we know that there's stuff to be talked about, uh, useful information to be had, but I've got to jump in with two feet, actually start doing it, having the conversation. So as always, if there is any feedback you have on the podcast, um, hit us up on any of the Mike James Rock Show social media, because uh, we don't run one for the podcast, because we're, <laughs> yeah, we're the same uh, same people, so we um, thought we may as well just get the podcast uh, sort of out on our own and we can better manage one than we uh, can <laughs> loads. Um, or you can hit us up direct for, you know, podcast on the email, which is realliferockstarspodcast at gmail.com. Correct. Um, but if there's anybody that you think we should talk to, um, somebody that's managed your tour, 
Yeah. Um, any questions that you have if you're thinking about touring and you've never actually done one, um, we're looking to cover everything from like your you know, long weekend tour for people with, um, you know, main jobs, corporate holiday, limited hours, that sort of thing. Well, that's uh, that's kind of what the people, the poet, are doing at the moment. Exactly. They're building up and getting the... They're getting that level. Yeah. But we do want to go up to some much higher levels. As we said uh, earlier on, we would love to speak to even people like Andy Coppin about booking such a massive yeah. thing and how um, all the logistics uh, go involved. Because if you're not in a band, you're not necessarily looking to get in the industry, but you like the information on the industry as to why things happen. We're going to be trying to answer stuff like that. So um, essentially taking people's complaints on comment uh, threads and things they've said and going, we can actually do um, like give you an answer about this. Because yeah. often it's fucking fascinating if you're a geek and I'm a geek. So it's Plus, what we're doing. Yeah, tour, the tour manager that Tyler does does go up to festival level because the Bastard Sons, due to the heritage of Phil Campbell with Motorhead... was well, actually where we getting, first met them. Yeah, it's get, yeah at festivals, it's getting booked to... At festivals, be it Download or Bloodstock or, you know, the, yeah. where was it? We met them at Teddy Rocks, wasn't yeah. it? Um, they, they were getting, getting about. They've been out to Ibiza for the HRH festivals out there and stuff. So, yeah, so there's a, that's a lot of planning and logistics that need to go into and managing people. And that's what we we talk about with him, which is like, yeah, fascinating. But also an insight if you're in a band of... Some of the things to prepare you, yeah, for. Don't stress your tour manager out. Even if he's a member of your band, he's doing a... Stunning bang, bang up job, up job. <laughs> well one th- one thing which i'm looking forward to um like sort of hearing again um myself is actually all the stuff that we talked about about dietary requirements i know that's weird <laughs> yes. but i think a lot of people don't know how unprepared um often people are to cover your dietary requirements mm. um, and it means quite a, like a bit to both of us because you're vegetarian and have been um sort of <laughs> since the dawn of time um and i'm lactose and uh, gluten intolerant so, like, between the two of us... We're a right pair. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so we understand, like, we've had to um, traipse around finding... Uh, and weirdly, since Subway released, um, you know, the gluten-free version of everything, yeah. we've um, gone back, like, full circle to one of the places we originally went, um, which was Subway, um, because um, it's weirdly one of the places that can cater for both of us with no issues. But it's rather filling. <laughs> well, it's because uh, essentially you inhale yours without like oh. so much chewing. <laughs> yeah. um, but anyway, yeah, things like that we talk about on, in this uh, interview. And uh, you know, and the more severe uh, vegetarian life choice being vegan. I think that's what Tyler deals with. And um, going abroad and doing it in different languages and time zones and all that kind oh, of stuff. Craziness. So we should probably go ahead and um, hit play before we give away the entirety of the interview. Yes. Yeah, well, so. we could. Or one of us could just start talking in Welsh, and well, not in Welsh with a Welsh accent, and away we go. <laughs> 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 so yeah, I'll I'll press play and do the little real life rock stars rock type thing. Hit the sweeper. Real life rock stars podcast. We've just actually uh, finished off some uh, uh, dinner with our next guest. He uh, treated us to uh, one of his favourite pubs in Cardiff. We have Mr. Tyler Campbell. Hello. Good evening. Good afternoon. And good morning. Good day to you, fine sir. Exactly, good day. How's it going? Not too bad, not too bad. I mean, um, I'm not going to sort of ask uh, how we are, because I think we spent the last hour yeah. or so doing that. Um, did you the food? I did. Um, I'm stuffed. I don't want a podcast now. I'm just going to a little nap on your shoulder, and <laughs> you and Dan can have a nap. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the reason why uh, we thought we'd get you on here is because um, you have, uh, well, started, shall we say, moves into touring um, yes. as a tour, tour manager. manager. Yeah. Um, That's correct. So we wanted to, f- well, basically chat to you about where... Um, well, 
shall we say, pet peeves that will turn into helpful hints to bands. Yeah. The do's and do not do's of uh, touring life uh, for bands out there that don't. And for people that don't realise, obviously, you do tour manage for Phil Campbell, um, Mr. Dad, sir. I uh, do, yes. When we want to save money uh, and we don't want to pay extra, I do, <laughs> do tour manage the band, which is probably half the time. So some tours I tour manage. I basically tour manage all the festival yeah. run, which is like... Festivals are fun, but sometimes you you've really got to put like figure out right. We got like I got a festival offer now. I can't confirm it yet because I got to go right. What time are we on stage on this festival? What time are we on stage the next festival? The next flight the next was closest to the airport. Yeah. I think the idea is Slovenia to Estonia, which is not a common uh, flight pattern. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's no direct flight. So we got to figure out that. So you got to always put that into. Uh, well, you've got to figure that out. You have to weigh it up over driving between the venues then. Yeah, so in an ideal world, that first, our first year of like touring festivals is when we had the, the Guns N' Roses shows, which is four Guns N' Roses shows, which is good because they were mainly during the week, not on the weekends. Okay. Yeah. So where you've got all the festivals on the weekends and you've got all these big shows and Guns N' Roses, you can actually afford to have a, a bus for like the two or three weeks in the summer. I'm, I'm hoping GNR have got the budget to be able to pay their support bands enough to tour with them. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they pay pretty well, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, it was the <laughs> highest grossing tour of the decade, yeah. wasn't it? They're, they're, they're good. They are good. It was great to tour them. But then it, it made more... Because like, if we wanted to... like we ha- We've toyed with the idea of having a bus for this summer run, but it makes it means you've got a bus for this weekend. Nothing for the week... Like we've tried, we're trying to do a French tour, but the, the the venues are just like, oh, we don't want to put any gigs on during the week during summer festival season because no one will go. Yeah, so that was like right. We understand that completely. So we were like right, the tour bus idea is out of the way. So we're just gonna have to, we're doing fly-ins yeah. all weekend, and uh, yeah, that was fun. But when it comes to touring, uh, the main thing is basically where's the bus gonna park, bus power. Yeah. Sometimes the venues will. The worst thing we've ever done is Berlin telling us, oh, you're allowed to park outside here, use the power. Parked there. We were like, right, we're technically blocking in a main road here, but they like put cones on. We're like, right, this is fine. So the support band were playing. I'm in, I, well, I play in the band as well, for anyone who doesn't know. So I, I'm playing in the band and I'm tour managing. And then the promoter comes to me. I know the driver, our bus driver comes in, storms in and goes... What, on stage or...? On stage. <laughs> <laughs> he, would have had, he would have done it on stage, probably, if it came to this. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, it was like 10 minutes before a ch- half-hour changeover started, so like 40, 45 minutes. Comes in the dressing room, like, I've got the police outside. He's like, what? Like, we've been told we're not allowed to park here. So I'm like, I'm on stage in 45 minutes. So I run upstairs. I'm trying to talk to this police officer but like, and the venue manager has told us we're allowed to park here. All, then, all in German as well, right? Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> broken down English, to be fair. And then I'm like, it's like oh, uh, the promoter and the venue managers told us we're allowed to park here, we were parked with power. And then the venue manager was there and he's like, well, technically you're not allowed to park there. I was like, why have you not told me this? Oh. I was like, if I knew we're not we're illegally parking, I wouldn't have bothered parking there. Yeah. Would have... Like, we could have parked two, like a mile up the road with power, and that would have been my... I'd rather do that than risk uh, police officers stopping us. Because you'll be able to take, like, uh, everything you needed off of the bus. Yeah. Um, quick, move a, yeah. a mile away. Like, and so, like, in Paris is the worst to do it. Like, yeah. You basically know you have to in Paris. And as long as you're prepared and you know what's happening, it's, it's, 
it's a pain in the arse, but you know it happens sometimes. You'd, yeah. you'd rather that than right half hour before a gig, police are there, you got to move the bus. I think my dad was on the bus at the time, so we were like, right, does he go into the gig now, or does he drive a mile down the road and then we get someone to pick him up? I, I can't even remember what we did, but the gig was fine. And then, Par- yeah, I think Paris was a couple of days after, where luckily the police, the German police officer. Uh, wrote down his number and his details. So I don't know. People don't know. Uh, bus drivers have like certain hours. They go have tachograph. Tachograph. Yeah. Yeah. You have like breaks. You have a 24-hour break every week and a 45-hour break every two weeks. I think. At least, yeah. And yeah. then there's uh, and, uh, certain driving hours a day. Driver was arguing in the Berlin thing. Uh, he didn't have his nine-hour break at the time. Because I think you need a nine-hour break before you can drive again. Yes. Um, legally, it's not a case of um, like the way it works. Sorry, because I yeah. My uh, um, job away from doing uh, the radio stuff is to actually sit in lorries which have the same yeah. uh, tachographs, yeah. and it's the lorry won't legally turn on. Yeah. Um, and you have to have a tachograph ID card. Yeah. So if you only have one bus driver and he's yeah. maxed out his hours, yeah. Um, he's legally not allowed to lo- uh, move that yeah. bus. Yeah. Because of uh, the tachograph, and there's that's, like that's no two ways around it way of doing it. Oh, it's been that, that way for years. Some bands that tour have had horrendous accidents. I'm thinking yeah. um, Ghost Inside. Baroness as well, I was thinking, but Ghost Inside, yeah, they've had horrible yeah. accidents due to... Um, well, not necessarily due to a tired driver, but it doesn't help. Yeah, no. um, but due to, the, you know, having to drive from one venue to another in X amount of time, because you're going to end up running yeah. out of travel time that you've got allocated to no, exactly. you. Yeah, um, and uh, uh, interestingly enough, um, depending on the size of vehicle, depends on whether or not you're on a tachograph. Yeah. Oh. So a lot of bands um, get around it by having a tour van yeah, rather yeah. than a tour bus because there's no tachographs on oh, bands. Oh, like a splitter type thing. Yeah. Um, with the shaded yeah. windows in the back. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, you can get away with like stupid amount of hours, but it's not safe then. No, no. But like, if you're a, a band at a certain level, you, that's the only option. Like, you got to you got to have a, enough uh, room to carry. Um, yeah. To break back into some of the stuff you were talking about, because one of the things that uh, was this podcast is to help bands. It's also yeah. to explain things to fans as much as possible okay. that we kind of take for granted. Yeah. Um, and you touched on something there, which is the, the logistics of being able to get to certain places. Yeah, yeah. Would you say, with the experience you've had, that's often where the why aren't you playing my hometown sort of oh, thing comes from? Yeah. So, some yeah, okay, we played a headline show in Newcastle, because Motorhead are, uh, have a, a good fan base there, but we played the gig. Yeah. It didn't sell very well, and then the next year, we're, we're not playing there again, because the money, basically, we got offered X fee, yeah. and like, we basically losing money if we do that. So we, we turned that gig down. And then yeah. we announced the, re- the last, the November tour, and then like fans were like, oh, why aren't you playing Newcastle again? I was like, I don't really want to tell. I was like, well, we'd be losing money if we played your, your yeah. place. Because it's then, a scary thing to try and say yeah. to your fans. It's like, well, exactly. they're like, well, it should, should just be about the music. It's like, hold up. Yeah. If we do it just about the music, we've watched how many bands like just yeah. stop because they can't afford no, to carry exactly. on. Yeah. So you've got to... Like established bands as yeah. well. Yeah. This, that was one of the ethos or the, the ideas behind doing this podcast and calling it Real Life Rockstars because we've been to festivals where we've interviewed bands that have played like, lower down but on the main stage yeah, say yeah. like Download or Bloodstock or something, yeah. smashed it to thousands of people at the time of their yeah. life coming to press, done interviews with us. Uh, what's next for the? What's next for you guys? Well, I'm back in the van tomorrow with my yeah. high-vis jacket on because I've got bills to pay. Uh, yeah. it's, it's a hard life nowadays. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. I think, think fans think 
if you're on pages in like Kerrang and that, you're like, you've made it, you've got lots of money, you're well off, which is definitely not the case. No. <laughs> Even if you're on like a front cover of Kerrang, you're still, half the time, they've probably still got another job and stuff like that. Yeah, well, we were talking um, about uh, CJ from Die Hard is Murder yeah. yesterday, and just one member of that band has two businesses yeah. uh, to try and afford a future as his kids. And yeah. I mean, stuff like um, in the industry like this is changing because he was able to say from stage, thank you for um, selling out this tour because now you've actually paid for the, because uh, yeah, yeah. they brought screens and exaggerate it or more production than they've brought before. Yeah, yeah. Um, They're like, it was a risk and we may actually still be losing a little bit of money over it. But yeah. he's like, you know, that's the whole point of being a band is sometimes you've got to push things forward. But he was thanking everybody on stage yeah. for paying paying for his kid's future and yeah. stuff like that. Um, so the tide is slightly changing, but we do still like <laughs> keyboard warriors will always kick off yeah. about what they see in their minds as being, oh, why didn't you come here? Um, yeah. Often I think it affects America a lot more where mm. they're like, they see that you're going between um, this state and that state and there's one that sits in the middle. Yeah. It's like, but it's cheaper to actually fly over the top of the, both yeah, states, exactly. you know? And, uh, well, we get that with America. Like we haven't taught America because I think we get lots of people saying oh why aren't you like, do you realize the visa costs and stuff like a band our level like, it's nuts it, like we couldn't even risk it i can't even fathom unless it was like a like maybe a good like a, like a good like say guns and roses tour or something yeah like that. and we could we could probably financially do it or a big slot a big like you know like, i think the mayhem festival is coming yeah. back yeah, yeah. yeah. so like, a, a touring festival like that we might be able to financially do it but we couldn't do a headline tour in the states with Visa costs, flight costs, uh, touring crew, like what you have to pay crew out there because it's cheaper, you don't know who they are. Uh, you don't and, have to take them let you down. You're risking like playing like clubs, you might be like 50 people. And like, I think my dad has like said, I, I can't do America unless there's a good, like I can't be slumming clubs in America unless there's like a, a good support slot because it's just. I think Motorhead had like a tough time yeah. in America years ago, just because it's such a big and hard market. And, uh, so a band our level, we def- I don't think we could. Unfortunately for any American listeners out there, unless there's a good support slot, so we, we done quite a few cruises. They're, we, they're getting popular now, though, and you can get they? you don't have to have a visa for the cruise because they're ah. performing on international waters. Ah, I love Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I've, 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 I've done like I've done about three or four cruises and. It's like, oh, what are you doing over here? It's like, oh, yeah, I'm playing a cruise. It's like, oh, yeah, do you need a visa, you need a visa for that? I'm like, international waters, ka-ching. <laughs> do you get like, paid in bounty then instead of, like, proper fees? Well, <laughs> what, what, whatever you can pillage off the cruise ship, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah. Although, the last cruise we did, which was the mega cruise, okay. I watched, actually was held into... I was on my own for a half hour in a different room because they thought I was okay. the actual crew on the ship. Oh, OK. I don't understand how. I said, I'm performing on a cruise. And then she didn't really understand it, but once I spoke to the, the main guy, he understood, I'm in a band, I'm not, like, yeah, I'm not actually working in America. Like, he understood it, but yeah. for half hour, I thought I'm on the next flight home. Like, <laughs> it was quite scary. Uh, yeah, especially in America now. I, yeah. bet, I bet you pooped your pants. <laughs> oh, 100%. 100%. But it's uh, an interesting thing, because, uh, you know, a lot of people would say because of um, Motorhead's name yeah. um, that surely touring in America would be easy for you guys. Yeah. Like, or there's some, it's the misconception that there's still money in yeah. the industry or in like the old names, whereas we've talked to some big names and they're like, no, that 
Um, my thinking was um, not quite like a heritage, but P.O.D., one of the new yeah, metal yeah. legends. Yeah. Um, one of the first times we interviewed them, he was like, no, he's like, I've got my pla um, silver platinum or whatever award it is at home. He's yeah. like, but it's collecting dust. It doesn't pay me any money. He's no. like, all of that money is like, we didn't even take much wages from everything. We pumped it all back into the band. Yeah. And that's the only reason we're still going 10 years later. Yeah. Well, so who, we pumped money it, back into was it. Was it Issues we spoke to last year? And they'd taken a year out to, they had had some issues <laughs> <laughs> within, within the band and they ironed those out but whilst they weren't doing recording or yeah. or touring or anything uh, the, the front man of a band that could play to thousands of people was driving uber yeah no it was yeah. uh, it was issues last year yeah. um i think i think you're yeah if you're like a band you need to have when on your off time when you're not recording you need to have like have some other form of income to make Side it all work. Yeah, <laughs> like, like I'm lucky where I can just play a, a few pub gigs on the weekends, and uh, that's another form of income. Uh, but we know bands that like same bands, same members will completely rebrand themselves as a wedding band. Yeah, we've done a few weddings yeah. because yeah. they can go out and get the actual money in. And yeah. often our advice, being you know the connection to the industry that um, Exeter mm -hmm. has of the level which we have, is just don't get lost in it. No. I don't get lost in what makes you money. Yeah, um, yeah. Still concentrate on what your actual passion is because yeah. we watch um, uh, particularly uh, good, I uh, believe it was Scottish fronted, shall we say, extra band um, yes. that ended up losing all want to do any type of actual yeah. music industry progression because uh, the, per like the wedding and pub circuit had yeah. overtaken their lives. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they had lost, like, sort of sight. And I mean, and that's going to be every weekend of a summer anyway. If yeah, you're, a, exactly. it, you know, at least you're going to get gigs throughout the summer. But, but you can't time, post you can't, about them, and you, you can't go to festivals, no. yeah. and play festivals because you're doing your mate's wedding. Yeah. <laughs> so the balance is there. Um, yeah. But you said a, a, another interesting thing on a round background too is that um, you guys actually use you as a tour manager to yeah. save money. It's yes. something we've had from Cancer Bats before, is they don't have a band manager or a tour manager, yeah. merch manager. They don't even take their own tog. Yeah. Um, because they, uh, the only way that they can come across the UK and Europe and all these other places yeah. routinely is yeah. bring all management as much as you can into the band yeah, yeah. so that no, you I'd can keep I'd going. I'd say they're about the same size of band as the Bastard Sons are at the moment. The so sort of venues yeah, they're playing as yeah. Cancer Bats and Bastard Sons. Yeah. But yeah, I think if you give your... I think we're assuming we, don't have, we, have, we have a booking agent, that's about it. We don't have an artist management. We don't have... Uh, but Sometimes we have a tour manager if we can afford it. But again, he's, you'll be our sound engineer and tour manager. So he's Merch like guy and, yeah. you know. Two yeah. So, uh, tour handyman. Yeah. yeah. Tour, man of many, a Del Boy of... Uh, <laughs> a Del Boy of touring, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think but it's also good at putting the band, everyone has a certain role. So uh, uh, Todd does all like the invoices, Dane does the banking, Neil looks after all the merch side of things. And I look, I like, I do book in all the flights and hotels, and I'm like the the contact for our booking agent as well. Yeah, so we've all got different roles. Whilst my dad sits back at home and just watches Homes Under the Hammer. Right, he's he's <laughs> lifestyles, <laughs> hey. I was going to say he's allowed to do that these yeah. days because he's grafted for so many years. I mean, yeah. we actually have a similar thing on the show. Is uh, Mike is the one that um, talks to the industry, yeah. handles all our interview bookings. Is the one that um, ultimately builds the show week on week as well, mm -hmm. um, because um, I have to 
do the website, um, all of our like graphic design. Um, after we've got you know the yeah. the building blocks from an actual graphic designer, I have to finish off everything that we do. I make all our videos. I edit all of our yeah. interviews. And um, once we actually found like the natural split, we were able to keep going as a two-person project, yeah. which always makes us giggle when um, like we talk to young bands. Shall we say there's five members, and they're like, "Oh, can you put up some posters for us?" It's like. Uh, no, <laughs> I, I have a job, I have a girlfriend, and I have the rock show. After that, I just about get enough time to breathe. Yeah, you know. And you got podcast now, don't forget. Uh, and a podcast as well. Don't so, um, but yeah, no, it's uh, quite interesting um, that you say that because it's something with this uh, sort of help and get people used mm. to what the industry looks like these days. Is that you yeah. can't go out and be as much as you know, love Motley Crue. You can't go out and be Motley Crue no. anymore. You can't go out um, with your tour manager, um, your label. Our representative, your band manager, all on tour with you, keeping you safe whilst you just live a party lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, You've yeah. got a graft from the start of the day to the when you go to sleep, just yeah. to make enough money to come home. No, exactly. Yeah. So we we don't really party much on tour. There's, a, there's not no time to party, really. Not anymore. No, <laughs> no. I mean, it's like right, curfews are the worst is when you the venue told you the curfews are one o'clock. So, like, we've all showered, and then the crew were about to shower, and the venue were like. Oh, you got it's twelve o'clock, and they want you out an extra hour early just because they want to go home. So I'm like, well, we've been told the curfew is one o'clock. Our crew still has to shower, so we're not moving until our crew are showering. Just because if you if you said twelve o'clock, we would have rushed her even fit like closer. Yeah, and it's a pain in the ass. But you know, again, the time management. As long as you know the time, it, the curfew is at twelve, curfew's at one. Yeah, you can organize everything. And then the work, you feel really bad then when like some of the crew are like, oh, I'll just skip a shower. And you're like, oh, you've just worked really hard. I really wanted to have a shower. But and, and you've got to then go and share a van with that person who yeah. hasn't had a shower. It's like, oh. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, not it's why often we see um, uh, tour buses queued up on... Um, the coaches part of the services yeah. in uh, England because they're free to use showers and stuff mm. like that. Well, so that's, that's some of the hacks we have got from bands at tour. It's like you can have showers for free in service stations. Oh, the services in Europe is pretty bad. Like. But, but worse than the UK ones, oh, I'd say. Yeah. Maybe UK ones of about 15 years ago because I remember services used to be god-awful yeah. in uh, the UK. Well, sometimes you've got you to pay money to piss in a hole on the floor. You can't, you can't even take a shit. Am I allowed to swear? Yeah, no, it's the podcast you're allowed I, to swear. I thought so. <laughs> so. Yeah, you're like, what? rule number one, one of the most important things on tour is where and how and when am I going to go for a shit? Yeah, <laughs> fair, fair. Okay, yeah. no, I can understand that. Especially our guitar tech. He's got, he's got something wrong with him, bless him. Like, but he, number one, 90% of my conversations with him are about shit or how are these toilets for shit. So we're, we're, we're partnering up with the next venue and he's, he's already mapped out where the, the four closest toilets are. There's a National Library half a mile down the road. <laughs> it's a 24-hour McDonald's. Um, it sounds uh, like us on the show, I'm the one that needs a toilet. Like, <laughs> all the time, I'm hurrying Mike out of the car, just going, can we just go? I need to pee. I need to pee. But that's, that's I guess, being part of a, being a tour manager. You've got to cater for each member of the band and their, their, their whims and their wills. And, you know, if they have illnesses or yeah. they have special dietary requirements you need yeah. you as the tour manager i guess need to know where you could get gluten-free or vegan stuff or where the closest toilets are because this matey boy needs to go and use them and yeah, stuff yeah. as well as planning the logistics of we need to leave the venue at this time because we've got to be at the next venue 300 miles away yeah. at this time kind you of got, thing you've got to keep there in the toilet breaks and stuff so yeah, like yeah. if we've got like a festival in belgium or france most of the time we just drive a splitter because it's not that far yeah. but then 
we got a ferry this time, and I know oh, we should leave it this time because we're probably gonna have to stop two or three times because so and so is gonna need to go to the toilet. We have to leave it this time. And uh, yeah, with uh, my, uh, two of the band, no, three of the band of crew are vegans now. So, okay. so we are on the ride of vegans, and 80% of the time they're, they're, they're fine. But like sometimes they, one time Dane Gov given a prawn cocktail as his vegan option. Yes, but, yeah, okay. But, uh, <laughs> I, I didn't mind because I had his prawn cocktail. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or it's that classic thing that me and Mike had for years because he's the vegetarian out of the yeah. two of us where uh, the veggie option would be, here's a salad. Oh, yeah, exactly. Mm. You know, and nothing yeah. else. Like, no. It's getting better, but we did one festival in France and, yeah, so it was a bit well. It wasn't really a festival. ZZ Top were playing and we were the support act and it was... It was labelled as a... It's like a festival where they have a gig every day or whatever. Okay, yeah. So okay. Was, the backstage area was decent. The catering oh. area was basically barbecues. They knew <laughs> the vegan option was... I can't remember what it was, but it was something. Wafer and thin it, ham. <laughs> you just put it on the same pan as all the meat and stuff. Oh, I hate when And I'm just like, where's the common sense? And then uh, Dave, uh, Dave wasn't happy because he was like, well, I can't eat that. And then I think he just had a pot noodles or something like that. Uh, well, that's uh, the, the funny thing at the moment about KFC and Burger King yeah. vegan options is they're cooked on the flame grilled broilers. Is uh, yeah, no, it's surely you're losing out on you've got this idea, and you're, you're losing out on custom and money because vegans aren't going to eat it because they know. The thing is, they don't really advertise. I, I, I haven't been in one since, but I assume they don't say it's advertised as vegan, aren't they? Yeah, but not vegan. So yeah. Surely it's some law thing. Well, it's a, an interesting Produce, one. If produced vegan, cooked meaty. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's sense. it's an interesting thing about whether or not you can call something vegan because strictly almonds and avocados um, aren't vegan yeah, because they are natural use of bees. Yeah. Um, I sound like such a nerd. I've just really <laughs> but Hipster. No, the, <laughs> we did the, top knot. <laughs> yeah. um, I find this sort of stuff interesting because I'm gluten and lactose intolerant, yeah. which means I can eat them if I have to, um, but I end up, uh, well stinking out a car, um, taking regular breaks. Oh, I know that one. Um, <laughs> and so, like, I can break those rules because yeah. there's not really any principles involved. I mean, I respect mm. vegans for um, the principles they have, but um, I can break those rules. I can't imagine having my hands so, like, handcuffed behind my back that's yeah. like, well, I can't eat it now because it's been on the meat stuff. Yeah, um, exactly, yeah. And, like, we used to, because we used to live together and do barbecues, is um, yeah. I would uh, cook all of his food first um, after a fresh clean on it yeah, yeah. before putting anything else on and he would uh, we'd put his stuff in a foil packet keep it on the barbecue yeah, so it yeah. stayed warm until everything else was he cooked he did look after me very <laughs> thoughtful <laughs> <laughs> oh I, I thank you sir I thank you nice. um, but no it's, a, it's such a um, scary thing and again it's something that has to fall to somebody in the band's management package how do you tick all of these boxes yeah it's getting better in Europe but it's still Sometimes, one time, they I think they've just laughed at us. It's like, oh, we have like two vegans in the crew, is that okay? And they just go, ha, ha, ha. It's like, well, why are you laughing at us? It's like, they're being quite offensive right now. But yeah, well, it's like when I, um, I go to Italy, I'm like, I'm gluten-free. They're like, just turn around and leave Italy. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, it's pizza, pasta, and cheese. I think Germany is getting progressively better. Between France, Italy, and Germany, I think Germany is getting better. Mm. But it's, uh, like I say, it's quite an interesting thing because 
Well, what I don't think a lot of people, unless they've actually lived the tour life, um, and we don't strictly say that we tour, but yeah. we spend a disproportionate amount of time together for two friends that yeah, work yeah. together as well, which is kind of similar to, we're, we're what, like the 21 pilots of the press. You don't realize quite how much like having a bad meal or yeah. skipping a meal or one of these problems can completely or change smelling Dan's farts. Yeah, <laughs> change the emotion on the tour. In the, on the rider, I think we have food cannot be, like people think it's, it's going to sound really, uh, what do you call it? What do you call it? Deaverish. But like, like hot food cannot be served like less than three hours before the time we're on stage. Yeah. Sometimes you give them food like half an hour or an hour and a half before you're on. You, know, you don't want to go on stage with like a full stomach. Stodge belly. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like doing a podcast after eating retirement. <laughs> Fortunately, we don't have to jump around. Uh, well, at least not, yet. Not for a few hours. Yeah. 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 Especially for our drummer. He doesn't want to drum an hour and a half set well, an hour after he's had like a curry or something like well, that. So you're performing an exercise and you need the food to fuel you, but yeah. you don't want that fuel to start burning until you're on stage yeah. and not when you just sat around like tuning up or whatever well i know ready. i keep mentioning cj but um last time we saw him here um he threw up on stage in yeah. um, motorpoint arena oh, right, yeah. um, because he had eaten too um early before uh, like too yeah. close to the set yeah, yeah. um but he was like it was one of those situations because i chatted to him about it yeah. last night because apparently i bring up people's embarrassing memories <laughs> um but he was like no he's like i had to eat he's like i didn't want to that close to the thing he's like yeah. but i had that annoying thing of do I go on yeah. energyless with nothing in the fuel tank or do I risk a cheeky eat? Yeah, yeah. He's like, I risked it. And he's like, and then I threw it all back up anyway. So it's like, I was ended up in a worse state because yeah. he's like, I hadn't eat, um, I still hadn't eaten as it were, nothing had digested. Exactly. I mean, he took well, the, weird, the weird thing is, well, it wasn't the biggest of chunders in the world on, mm. that he did oh. and it was on stage. But you could still smell it at the back of the oh. venue. It's one of those. It's like there's six thousand people in the CIA or however, however many, and it's just it's like. Oh. <laughs> well, I think it was more to do with the fans that blow the um, oh, the, yeah. the smoke machines forward. Were blowing the smell. Oh of the, yeah. So you had like a sick cloud of smoke oh, it was just rolling fun. over people, just like oh, it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, but that is also thy art is murder. You're saying that, yeah. and he loves shows like that because um, you know. Gone are the days where um, sweating in a club, that sort of stuff would happen. I mean, I remember seeing Trigger the Bloodshed and a dude was throwing up halfway yeah, through a yeah. set because uh, like just brutal vocals and all this yeah. sort of stuff. But you, again, going back to the point is you've got to put that person back in a bus yeah. and deal with the consequences. And like I say, that can crash the emotions of a tour, which yeah. I think we're now becoming a lot more tuned to as an industry that... You can't just package people up, stick them in a tour bus, and feed them a load of drugs. Like um, I keep mentioning Motley Crue, but there was that whole. Um, they're, they're your go-to drug and alcohol band. <laughs> um, they're just the most recent biopic I've seen. Yeah. Um, but it was the I, I really like the scene where they're like, we can't send these guys back out on tour. Somebody will die. Yeah. Um, or they won't come back, and they're like, they're, the record lump company obviously were shown not to care and just like bolt yeah. them back together, send them back out. Yeah. Um, and I imagine probably Phyllis had some of those uh, times on a tour as Motorhead because yeah. they were one of those bands that lived through that era of nobody caring about the actual humans involved. Exactly, yeah. I imagine that's probably been quite good for you guys to have somebody that's been through the, the actual worst part of touring that you could yeah. um, and brings that experience to your band. So it's like, well, we're not going to do this because I've had 20 years of that not working. It's yeah. just, it's not going to work this time, you no. know? Yeah, I think we sometimes... Uh, We've had like festival offers and stuff where, not festival, gig offers, and you're like, that's too many shows in a row. Yeah. I would like, we'd, 
we need it's like some bands I think some they'll play like a, they will they'll have one day off in like a three week period or yeah. two which I find insane. So and that, most of that time, it's not actually a day off; it's a travel day exactly. that you're not performing. That's yeah. all. Yeah. So for like headline tours, we make sure, but ideally three shows in a row. But if not four, is our max. Just still quite a lot. Yeah. To be fair, but uh, yeah, we know we know not to like overdo ourselves. And then from a couple of years when we first started, the first couple of tours we did were like almost a month long tours, which were like. Uh, doable, but we've gone from like, right, we'll just do, instead of doing a UK and a European tour in one big month long thing, we'll do the U tour in the UK in two weeks, and then we'll do U, one part of Europe in another two weeks, and then we'll do another part of Europe in another two weeks. So you're breaking down, you're not on the road all the time, you've got enough time home to readjust and have some rest. That's almost, uh, we've said this to local bands that are just yeah. starting off, it's like, go on weekend tours, do yeah. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You can go from, we're in the West Country, so why not do the West Country, but go and tour in the Northeast, but you, yeah. but you go up and you'll do Hull, Newcastle, yeah. so, you know, Sunderland or whatever, and then travel back and do something on the Sunday, so you're halfway back. Yeah. Then have a couple of weeks off, and then you go and do another part of the UK, yeah. and vice versa. So you're not every weekend going out, but you're no. building that, that framework around yeah, the country, yeah. but not burning yourself out, and no. you get back in time. The, for your work and you're only realistically if you plan it right going to yeah. lose maybe one day on a on a Friday because you've got to take that off work because you're on the tour but yeah, Thursday, yeah. Thursday you can travel up somewhere close yeah, yeah. to where you live and then you go further and further and work your way back kind of thing you should be a bucking agent <laughs> <laughs> well we've done promotion um, yeah we've done promotion um, you, know, you know how to route a tour by the sounds of things well um, that was one thing I was going to um, pick, up, pick up with you briefly because you mentioned it earlier is the logistics of creating a tour you see nowadays like there are tours and we were talking to bands yesterday that have already got stuff penciled in for january next year so 12 yeah. years time uh, 12 years 12 months time. <laughs> maybe 12 years time <laughs> um how, how how important is it nowadays to be planning like a, a year ahead for a band of of your level yeah we try to plan pretty much a year in advance, so we, we had a tour offer uh, for yeah, funny enough, January, February next year, like six months ago, like um, a support well, actually, tour, yeah, but that really? still hasn't been announced, and I still haven't seen any <laughs> any dates for that. But it, it should be happening. But, and that, then, but does that mean you you've had these offers? But that means you've now got to pencil that in, yeah, and could possibly turn down other offers until you know what this That's, original yeah, offers are. That is true, and there's also stuff about we can't play these locations. Like certain amount of time before of course, yeah. or after, so we've had to like, uh, well, we will be doing a UK tour at the end of the year. We can't. We'll announce. We're doing four shows with Michael Schenker in April. Oh, nice. So we'll be announcing the UK tour after that. With his uh, Schenker Fest. Yeah, Schenker Fest thing. Nice. So I'm looking forward to playing. I think it's Newcastle City Hall, which is a really good venue. Cause my, my dad and Moat Red played it all. So you the are time. going back to Newcastle. Yes, yeah, yeah. but not headlining. Oh, yeah. Well, so, yeah. so the idea was. Uh, Play Newcastle with Michael Schenker, do a headline show there at the end of the year. Yeah. But the offer was worse than we had. So I was like, no, we can't do it. There's still no money in it. Yeah. It's, like, it's uh, interesting you mentioned about not placing stuff in your catchment area because um, that was, uh, obviously, we uh, remain respectable on this and so no names will be mentioned. But yeah. um, when we were promoters, we had a big uh, yearly event 
which we booked some acts for. Um, and then we had to pull the entire event and stop promoting entirely yeah. because that same act put um, three other dates in our catchment area. Oh, I got you, yeah. Because um, we're... Within 20, 30 miles of us. Um, and within three days. So yeah. um, there was four um, dates for this particular band no. in all of the hubs that we normally pulled people up from yeah. um, to come to our event because it was a Halloween event. Mm. Um, and we'd, like, we'd speak because we know the promoters to our local areas yeah. and normally... A promoter is more just speak to these guys uh, because it's such a small area when yeah. it comes to alternative scene-wise. Mm. Is um, and then we found out the prices of um, like everything and like that, and it's like, yeah. oh, so we're paying for your uh, backline yeah. for you to do a tour in our catchment area. Yeah, and it's like, no, that's not happening, and I'm afraid we have to cancel the tour. And they got like real shirty, yeah. um, even though we were um, well within contract. Going to state that directly on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. we were well within contract to cancel. Yeah, um, but because um, they couldn't pay for the backline for the other dates, yeah. that entire leg of the tour got scrapped. Yeah, and it's like, well. Again, that's because you booked things in the catchment area yeah, yeah. Um, and different prices as well. The, yeah. the prices of the gigs were very different. So yeah. ours were one price and the other ones they booked were a lot lower. Yeah. Why would you um, spend the travel money to come to ours, even though it was yeah, a Halloween yeah. branded one, when you can go and see the headline act yeah. five minutes down the road rather than an hour down the road? Yeah, exactly, yeah. And it's what a lot of people don't think realize is sometimes you're avoiding a hometown and avoiding ticking a box or somebody because that's included in the catchment yeah. area of a tour. Oh, and yeah, you definitely got to respect that. Um, yeah. Same with festivals. Sometimes you go out festivals, they go, this is a clause, you can't play another festival or show within 100 miles of here within like a two months. And it, it, well, it makes sense. Like, they're not, they don't want to book you and you're going to be playing another show down the road within yeah. a month period. So you just... Yeah, the best thing to do is just respect the contract, respect, respect the agreement. Some, sometimes in the States, you're not allowed to play in that state. Yeah. Well, they actually find think it the size of Texas, and you're only allowed to play one gig there in like six months or yeah. something. Cause it, and that's a festival oh ticket as well. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And it's the difference for us between uh, speaking to American bands, where they're just like, oh, yeah, no, we'll drive the length of the UK in 24 hours and back. Yeah. It's like, we'll go and um, we'll play a northern festival, but yeah. we'll come down and do a um, West Country gig. I'm like, why? It's like, because that's no more than just moving between states in America. Yeah, yeah. And it's like the whole perspective is, you know, UK bands could probably take a, a leaf sometimes out of American bands yeah. where, you know, be prepared to travel. Get a, get a comfy bed, you know, yeah, yeah. get a good, decent pair of headphones because sometimes to make a tour happen, you... Because it was Loathe we saw at Boomtown, wasn't it? Yeah. Loathe came on their site 45 minutes to an hour before their set. Yeah. They sound checked, they played... They chilled with me and Mike for 15 minutes afterwards, yeah. straight back on the tour bus, straight back out the um, venue. Yeah. Um, straight, yeah, straight on the road again to get to a festival in mainland Europe the yeah. following day. And they're like, um, so we're like, well, where's the party? They're like, in the bus mm. tonight. So we've we've learned to um, have t like bus parties basically. Mm. And it's like that's crazy because you you know you can't. Um, do the things that you used to. So um, a lot of bands don't use touring airplanes anymore unless they already have the established ability yeah. or your lead singer flies them, you yeah. know? <laughs> anyway, I think we might um, have to uh, do a little wrappy up. We've been um, nattering for ages and we probably could natter about tour life for a, a lot longer. Well, imagine. we might do a part two with you at part some point. Part two. Part two. Any other shows coming up in Cardiff you're going to be at? Um, Quite a few, I'd imagine. Yeah, so we're, we'll come area. for food and chats yeah. and uh, keep it going. Now we found this venue as well. It's lush. <laughs> I, I need to buy a motorhead uh, glass from here because they are awesome. Yeah. Uh, not steal one. Um, no, do not steal one. No, no, no support no. the brand. Support yes. the brand. Um, <laughs> mostly because I think you might you know, behead me if I try to. I won't to. be headed. No, it's uh, fine. Are you sure? I'm, I'm pretty sure I won't. I'm, 
I don't plan on murdering anyone today. So. Yeah, it's, it's good to know that you're not planning on. <laughs> but maybe <murder>. tomorrow. Once <laughs> <laughs> he's found out that glass is missing, he's coming. Oh yeah, out no. <laughs> Starts getting uh, questions from the barman downstairs. It's like, so, did you steal one of your own glasses? Um, yeah. <laughs> but no, thank you very much. It's been thank awesome. You. Yeah. Thanks very much, man. Hopefully, we'll uh, catch you on tour at some point yeah, during cool. the, the rest of the year, and we'll sit down and have some more food. Definitely. That was yeah. lunch. Nice. Yeah, that was our uh, our little chatty chat with uh, Mr. Campbell. Very nice indeed. What a what a fine fellow he was. He was indeed. I forgot how sassy I was that day. <laughs> <laughs> Not just that day. <laughs> well, it's when you hear it back. It's the the downside of podcasting. I'm like, wow, no. I, I rant a lot. But it's, it's how we get the conversations flowing with people. Exactly, and um, it was just you know really interesting to hear. Um, <laughs> I'd say have a lot of agreement on the stuff that we've uh, encountered over the years. It wasn't because a lot of the time we're testing um, sort of conversations that we've had with various people. Nobody like there's never been a strict let's talk about touring. It's just mm. you hang around um, enough gigs and enough festivals and you know, stood outside a dressing room with the tour manager for ten minutes, or waiting. just catching up with like um, bands and like mm. asking them how it's going. And you, like we can normally tell when it's a self-managed band like immediately, um, and when it's a tour manager band. Yeah, yeah. There's just certain like sort of bits that change, and that are, that we just yeah anything that we can do to um, help. But I think we answered a few questions there, like why um, people don't play hometowns, and like why there's always that um, sort of well, why famous why why you haven't played uh, here and uh, recently. It's like well, there's there's actually reasons why. So yeah, mm. it was like we were literally just saying at the end of it, like the logistics of not being able to get you get tied into contracts and not being allowed to play in certain places. Exactly. Which I, I guess a lot of people don't realise. No, that's the thing. And uh, so, what can you do? But it's also important that if a band does come and play your area, you should go and see them because it might be some time before they're back again in that area because exactly. they're doing different territories or something. Exactly. Not everybody li- lives in a, in the B list or the A list of, uh, of venues, you know, your big cities. Or even us here in Exeter, we kind of see the C circuit, I guess, aren't we? We don't really get a lot of the the biggest biggest acts because no. they, they all go into like cardiff and bristol because they're big hubs exactly so plus we're in the west country and oh, west a country. lot of the west uh, a lot of the um bookers in the uk don't even realize there is a west country or that we have venues down here um admittedly sometimes we don't know how to run them very well so <laughs> uh, there is that but, but no. the west country is open for business um we can rock it just as hard and Anybody that is listening to this and wondering, we're more than happy passing on a promoter's name if you um, yeah. you know know which uh, part of the West Country you're looking to play. Because, uh, we again, it's a, a relatively uh, tight community down here when it comes to tight. <laughs> industry <laughs> professionals. You know, there's only a certain amount of promoters and people like us because it's not a hub um, yeah. of one city having everybody. Most um, people have got each other's background. Yeah. Oh yeah, for a hundred percent. So um, yeah, uh, hit us up if you don't know if you're a band listening and you're like, ah, well, I'd like to add Devon and Cornwall to my touring. Um, and don't forget, my Campbell Romance are uh, playing Cornwall. This is very true. They Th- are. They realise what um, a move that would be. Uh, Their very is. first UK date in years and years and years. Is and it's, it's sodding Cornwall. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> on a on a Tuesday, and it's right in the middle of the summer. So it, I'll say I'll go out now and say it'll be an overcast and cloudy, wet Tuesday More in the middle of the summer because that's what happens here in the West Country every single year. <laughs> You're right there. Oh, I've got a niche. I've Do you want us to wrap up because we've kind of done everything? Whittled, yeah. Oh, uh, okay. I've got the I've got the itch now, but we should probably still wrap up. 
Yeah, because people don't want to hear us waffling on for much longer. Uh, no, we've done enough of that. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Um, we've got loads of actual podcast interviews coming up, booked in the in the diary, ready to go. Um, but next episode um, is going to be a, um, a, a bit of a pre-record um, because we're away uh, launch weekend. So we can still launch it, but um, we're probably going to record it like a week in advance. Um, Quite possible. Yeah. So Maybe a couple of days. We it, could may, do. it may not actually be as topical as normal. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we'll work out the logistics on that, but something will happen in a, f- in a couple of weeks' time for our next podcast. And we're thinking most likely it'll be a long chatty one for us where we cover a mixture of social media and mental health. Something like that. Uh, and mostly because those are two subjects I can witter on about for uh, ages. Might just need to occasionally interject with a question and then I'll, I'll just keep going. I'll just nod, yeah. which is really useful on a podcast. Yes, and on radio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so before we go, we should say that the podcast is sponsored by um, some very lovely people that we call family now. Uh, Fireball Whiskey UK and yes. uh, Vocal Zone Throat Pastilles. 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 Uh, <laughs> um, also from the UK. So thank you very much for sponsoring um, us talking. Yes. <laughs> it really helped. And that's it. It's great. And they got on board, really. And uh, as Tyler um, sort of said, you know, um, I guess we should. Uh, good day, good morning, good evening, and good night.